0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the battle of al القادسية and we spoke about the fighting that took place on the first two days of that battle. And we mentioned that the first day of fighting became known as Yawmul Armath, And that means the day of disorder. There was a lot of chaos on that day. And one of the reasons for that chaos was that the Persian army had these elephants that they used in the battle. These war elephants. and. These elephants caused a lot of problems for the Muslim army early on. But eventually, alhamdulillah, the Muslims were able to cut the belts on the bottom of those elephants that were were carrying the baskets that had the soldiers on the backs of the elephants. They were able to, alhamdulillah, cut those belts and the soldiers on top of the elephants fell down and the elephants ran away from the battlefield. So they were able to, to neutralize that threat of the elephants. The second day of the battle, as we spoke about also last week, it is known as Yawmul Aghwath, the day of salvation. And this was a really good day for the Muslim army. Uh, There were no elephants on that day. The kuffar, they were not able to re-enlist the elephants into the battle for the second day. So there were no elephants on that day. Also on that day, the second day, Al-Qa'qa' ibn Amr, the great warrior, he arrived in al qadisiyah with his soldiers, with the soldiers that were under him as a support for the Muslim army. Al-Qa'qa ibn Amr was one of the greatest warriors of the Muslims, Alhamdulillah. So with him coming and offering his support, Alhamdulillah, that was a great boost to the morale of the Muslim army. Also on the second day, one of the strategies that Al-Qa'qa ibn Amr used was that he disguised camels, he used these camels and he put some sticks or some rods on top of the camels and then he covered up those camels with a cloth and he put some holes where the eyes of the camels would be so that the, so that the camels would be able to see. So basically for someone who sees this, they, they would think that this is some type of a beast, this is some type of a monster. So, with these camels that were disguised in such a way, with these costumes that he put on the camels, that was able to, he was able to put a lot of fear in the Persian army by using this strategy. And many of the horses that the Persians had, they ran away when they saw these disguised camels as well. So, alhamdulillah, the second day, it was a, a very successful day for the Muslim army. Also, on the second day, Yawm al the beautiful incident of Abu Mihjan al-Thaqafi an, occurred. And Abu Mihjan, an, he was one of the companions of the Prophet but he had a habit of drinking alcohol. It was difficult for him to kick this habit of drinking alcohol. And even during the time of the Prophet he was brought to the Prophet and he was flogged as a punishment for drinking alcohol. Uh, so he had this struggle with himself. He was a good person, but he was struggling with this uh, addiction to alcohol. So he wanted to participate in the battle of Qadisiyah as well. He understood the importance of jihad, and he wanted to get the reward of being a mujahid, and he wanted to have the opportunity to become a martyr, to become a shaheed. So he joined the Muslim army in al Qadisiyyah. Now, The first day of the battle, after the first day of the battle was over, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas who was the commander of the Muslim forces, he detained Abu Mihjan because Abu Mihjan had been drinking alcohol. He had been drinking alcohol even there on the first day of the battle. So Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, he detained him, he said like, look, you can't be part of, of the army if you're going to be doing this type of thing. So he chained him up actually So on the second day of fighting, Abu Mihjan, he was not participating in the battle. So he was very sad about this. This was a very severe punishment actually for Abu Mihjan. That he wants to fight, but he's not able to fight. He's not allowed to fight as a punishment for his drinking alcohol. So he heard the sounds of the fighting. He was chained up, he couldn't participate. But he could hear the fighting going on on the second day. He could hear the swords and the spears and he could hear the horses, and he could hear all of these things. And he really, really badly wanted to participate. So while he was chained up, he asked the wife of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, who was around the area, he called out to her, and he asked her, please, just let me go, just unchain me, and I promise, I promise. If I come back safe and sound, let me fight. If I come back safe and sound, then I myself, will re-chain myself in these chains. I will come and I'll put the chains on my arms and my legs myself. I promise you this. And if I don't come back, if I die, then you are, you are rid of me. Then you don't have to worry about me anymore because I'm dead. So please. So the wife of sa gonna be Waqqas, she had a lot of pity and mercy for him. Like look, he really badly wants to fight so let me just help him out. So she actually unchained him. She unchained him and he jumped on the first horse that he could find so that he could go into the battlefield. And the first horse that he could find was actually the horse of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas himself, his own horse, Sa'ad's horse. And the name of that horse was Al-Balqa. So he gets on Al-Balqa, the horse of Sa'ad, and he quickly goes into the battle and he starts fighting valiantly, bravely, killing these Persian kuffar right and left, right? So he's, he's doing very well in the battle here. Now Saad who was supervising the battle from a, a, a point that was elevated, he was watching the whole thing. He saw Abu Mihjan on his horse fighting. But he couldn't see exactly who it was because the distance was far. So he couldn't tell for sure who this was. But he saw the movement of his horse. This was Sa'ad's own horse, Al-Balqa. And he knew the movement of his horse, how his horse moves. And he also knew the fighting style of Abu Mihjan, how Abu Mihjan fights. So when he saw this from a distance, even though he couldn't make it out that this is Abu Mihjan and this is my horse, Al-Balqa, he couldn't make it out because of the distance. He saw the way of fighting and the way that the horse was moving. So he said, Al-Karru, Karru Karru Al-Balqa he said that the way this horse is moving it's like my horse Balqa. and the way this man is fighting this is the way Abu Mihjan fights but Abu Mihjan is chained up so how is this so when the battle was over on that day when the second day of fighting was over and it was a good day for the Muslims Alhamdulillah, Abu Mihjan he came back just as he promised and he put himself back in the chains. He put himself back in the chains. Now, the wife of Saad ibn Abi Waqqas, she told her husband, Saad, what happened? Like, yes, actually I let Abu Mihjan go. He promised that you know, he would fight, and if he comes back, he would rechain himself back. And that's exactly what he did. She explained to him the whole story. So, Saad ibn Abi Waqqas was very impressed with this. Very impressed with the fighting, of Abu Mihjan and very impressed with his integrity as well that he kept his promise he came back and he chained himself back up. So Saad now he goes to Abu Mihjan and Abu Mihjan is chained up again, he chained himself back up Saad goes directly to him and he says get up and he 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 unchains him he unlocks the chain, Saad unlocks it himself and he says get up Wallahi I will never flog you for drinking wine again you can go. I will never flog you for drinking wine again. And Abu Mihjan, عنه, he said, Wallahi, I swear by Allah, I will never drink it again. I will never drink it again. So Alhamdulillah. And you know this, this beautiful incident that happened during the Battle of Qadisiyah, it shows. It shows that someone can be struggling with a sin. Someone can be struggling with a sin, and it can even be a major sin. Drinking alcohol is a major sin. So someone can be struggling with a major sin, but but this person can still have goodness in him. He can still have love for Allah and His Messenger in him. So when we see this type of situation where someone, his heart is good and he has goodness in him, but he's being tested by a particular sin, try to help that person. Don't write that person off. Don't say like, oh, he does this, so I don't want to have anything to do with him. No, try to help that person. And maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will guide him through your efforts. So this is something that we can, we can learn from as well. Alright, so... As we mentioned, this all happened on the second day of fighting, Yomul aghwath the day of salvation. And the fighting on this day, it continued into the night. Usually, when fighting would occur in these battles, when the sun set after Maghrib, both sides would usually retreat. They wouldn't fight in the night. And this is how it was on the first day of the battle of Al-Qadisiyyah. On the first day, they fought until Maghrib, and after the sun set, each side retreated to their camps. But on the second day, on yawmul al the fighting continued after sunset. And it actually continued up to midnight. It continued for half of the night. So you can see, it became very intense on the second day. And then around midnight, both sides, they retreated to their camps. On the second day, the Muslim army lost 2,000 soldiers. But the Persian army, they lost 10,000 of their soldiers. So there were heavy casualties on both sides, but the casualties on the Persian side were much more than the casualties on the Muslim side. All right. so the next morning, now we're on the third day. The next morning after Salatul Fajr, both armies started to regroup and reorganize to prepare for the next day of fighting. Now, the Muslims, they had many of their martyrs on the battlefield. Remember, they lost 2,000 men the day before, right? And they can't really do anything to the bodies in the night, in the dark. So what they would do is after Fajr, when the sun would come out, they would take those bodies and clear them from the battlefield and they would bury the bodies. So that's what the Muslims were doing after salatul fajr on the third day. They're taking the bodies and burying the bodies and regrouping and reorganizing the army. As for the Persian army, they just left their dead bodies on the battlefield. 10,000 dead bodies on the field. What are they going to do with it? It's too much to handle. So they just basically abandoned those bodies and they left them on the battlefield. Now this day, the third day, it became known as Yawm Al-Amas. Yawm Al-Amas. And that means the day of intensity, the day of severe fighting. So the third day was actually the most intense day of fighting. Now, before the third day, the night before the third day, al ibn Amr, he formulated a very smart strategy. The night before the day. What he did was some of his soldiers, some of his soldiers, he told them to quietly and secretly leave the battlefield. Leave the battlefield. So that when the daytime comes, you can come back into the battlefield and you make a big commotion and make a lot of dust with your horses when you're coming back into the battlefield so the persians will see you coming in and they will think that we have received reinforcements they will think that we have received more support so he used the soldiers he already had they're already there but he said just quietly in the night leave the battlefield when daytime comes come back and come back in a big way to make it look like we have received reinforcements so you can see ibn Amr; he's, he's very brilliant in terms of his his military planning and his military strategies. So this was one of the ideas of al ibn Amr. And he planned that the night before. Also, when al regrouped the army for the third day of fighting, he changed the setup of the army. And as we have mentioned before, the way that these armies were formed was that they would have five parts. They would have muqaddimah Muakhirah, Maymana, Maysara and Qalb. So the Mukaddima is the front of the army, and the Muakhirah is the back of the army, and the maymana is the right flank, and the mesara is the left flank, and the Qalb is the middle. So these armies, their, their their way of fighting was they would be in these groups of five. They would be in these groups of five flanks: front, back, right, left, and middle. So Qaqqa, for the third day of fighting, he he changed the soldiers in each group. So basically, he said like, okay, today, the Maimana will transfer to the Mesara. The Maysara will transfer to the Maimana. The right flank will become the left flank. The left flank will become the right flank. The, the Qalb, the middle, will become the back. The back will come in the front. So basically, he changed up the whole setup, right? And the reason why he did this was so that when they face the Persian army on the third day, all of these Persians, they're going to be seeing new faces. They're going to be seeing new faces, and what will they think? They will think, these are new soldiers. Even though these same soldiers have been here the whole time. So this is the the strategy of Qaqa ibn Amr. To make use of the soldiers you have, but to make it look like we keep getting more and more and more support. And what is the purpose of doing this? This is something that will demoralize the Persian army. They're going to lose hope, because they were already losing. The first day and the second day, they already suffered very heavy losses. Now on the third day, they're going to be thinking that we're already losing so badly. And now they're even getting more reinforcements and more support. Now we have no chance, we have no hope. So basically, it would cause them to despair. It would cause them to lose hope. This was the strategy of Qaqa. Very brilliant strategy and it worked very well. When they saw these reinforcements or what they thought were reinforcements, they really, really became very frustrated. They really, really lost a lot of their morale due to that. Alright, now the third day. This is the most severe day of fighting. al Amas, The day of Shiddah, The day of severity and intensity. On this day, the, the general, the leader of the Persian army, Rustum, army, he ordered for the return of the elephants. So the elephants were there on the first day. And then on the second day, they were not there. Now on the third day, Rustum, he brought the elephants back into the battlefield and in order to prevent the Muslims from doing the same thing that they did on the first day where they came under the elephants and they cut the belts so that the people on the baskets on the top of the elephants would fall down, in order to prevent that from happening, he kept soldiers around the elephants, he kept soldiers around the elephants to, to guard the elephants basically so that nobody could come under the elephants. So again, on the third day, the elephants became a big problem for the Muslims. The horses from the Muslim army were afraid of the elephants. So the knights or the horsemen, they were not able to get deep into the battlefield because whenever the horses would see the elephants, they would try to run away. So this was causing a big problem for the cavalry, for the horsemen of the Muslim army. So sa ibn Abi Waqqas, he's observing all of this and he sees the elephants are back and he knows that this is a big problem. These elephants, they're really, really causing big problems for us. So we need to get rid of these elephants once and for all. So what they did the first day, that was a temporary solution. But the third day, now the elephants are back. So Saad is thinking, we need to, we need to come up with a final solution for these elephants. So that we get rid of them and they don't come back. So what Saad noticed when he was observing the elephants, What he noticed was that all of the elephants were following two leader elephants. So there were two elephants who were basically the leaders of the rest of the elephants. And he noticed that. That these two elephants are leading and the other elephants behind them are just following whatever these two elephants do. So Saad noticed this. So he thinks to himself, if we can just get rid of these two elephants, then we won't have any problem. All of the other elephants, they will run away as well. So, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas he calls Al-Qaqa' Ibn Amr and Asim ibn Amr two great soldiers two great warriors Al-Qaqa' and Asim and he says to both of them okay these two elephants are the leader of all of these elephants so i need you guys to take care of these elephants i need you guys to get rid of these elephants that's your mission so Qaqa' took one assistant with him to get rid of one elephant, and Asim ibn Amr, he took one assistant with him to get rid of the second elephant, to get rid of these two leader elephants. So Qaqa and his assistant, they go to the first elephant, the first leader elephant. They go on their horses, and they're able to reach a distance that is not too far from those elephants. And these elephants are covered with armor as well. They're covered with armor, but, the eyes are open. So that the elephants can see. The eyes can't be covered with armor. The eyes are open. So, Taqqa ibn Amr with his assistant, the two of them, they're both on their horses in front of the elephant. So, qaqa ibn Amr, he takes his bow and his arrow and he shoots. And he hits the elephant in its eye. And his assistant shoots the other eye. So, they had perfect aim hit the bull's eye or not the bullseye the elephant's eye actually right so they hit both of the eyes of the elephants and this elephant became blinded and it screamed right now in the meantime at the same time Asim Ibn Amr he's dealing with the second elephant he and his assistant they're dealing with the second elephant so Asim Ibn Amr he shoots his arrow into one of the eyes of the second elephant and that elephant screams and it sits down It loses one of its eyes, right? It sits down. And while the elephant is distracted, Asim's assistant goes close up to the elephant with his sword and he cuts off the trunk of the elephant. So he cuts off the trunk of the elephant. So now the first elephant is completely blind. And the second elephant is blind in one eye and its trunk is gone. So both of these elephants, they're screaming due to what has happened to them. And they turn around and they they run away from the battlefield. And as they're running away from the battlefield, you know, they're crushing their own people. They're crushing the Persian soldiers as they're running away from the battlefield. And when these two leader elephants run away, the rest of the elephants, just as Saad expected, the rest of the elephants they follow them as well, because those were the two leader elephants. Now that. They have been hurt and they're running away all of the elephants follow them and they run away so they're they're fleeing from the battlefield and all the Persian soldiers are there so these elephants are stampeding their own soldiers and this was how the Muslim army got rid of the elephants once and for all alhamdulillah so now that elephant problem that was the biggest problem the Muslims had been facing since the first day alhamdulillah that problem is solved now once and for all so now the fighting is the type of fighting that the muslims know and they're used fighting on horses and fighting with swords on foot on horses and on foot so the fighting continues throughout the day this is the third day the fighting continues throughout the day the sun sets the fighting doesn't stop it continues now the previous night the fighting stopped at midnight tonight it goes on it continues past midnight. It continues for the rest of the night. Fajr time comes. The sun rises and the fighting continues. It doesn't stop. This fighting was so intense. Yomul Amas, the, the day of intensity. It started from Vuhr on the third day. It continues. It goes on all night. And it goes on into the next day as well it goes on into the fourth day as well so it's a continuous fighting the third day and the fourth day without a break in between the third and the fourth day so that is how severe this fighting is now it's the fourth day the fourth day of fighting is known as yawm al qadisiyah the day of al qadisiyah and you can you can understand by this name that this is the day the final day the fourth day this is the day of victory alhamdulillah Yom al qadisiyah and on that day, of course, both armies were very tired because they had, been, they had been fighting non-stop from dhuhr on the previous day. Now it's almost dhuhr the next day. So basically 24 hours of non-stop fighting. 24 hours of non-stop fighting. So both sides, of course, they're, they're, they're very tired and they're fatigued by all of this fighting. Now Al-Qaqa' ibn Amr He knows battle, and he knows fighting, and he knows war. Very experienced with this. And he sees what's going on with the Persians, and he sees what's going on with the Muslims as well. And he says to his people, in order to encourage his people to keep fighting, don't retreat. Because if we retreat and they retreat, then they will have time to recuperate, they will have time to rest, and they will come back stronger. But if we are patient for just one more hour, we can just finish them off. We can end this without giving them a chance to rest and recuperate. So let's keep going. Let's keep going. Now the Persians, they were hoping for a chance that, you know, they would retreat back to their camps, and the Muslims would retreat back to their camps. Each side would recuperate, would reorganize, and they would fight the next day. The Persians were hoping for that. But Qaqa told his people, he told the Muslims, don't do it, let's continue fighting. We're almost there. They're, they are on the brink of destruction. We just need to fight for one more hour and we can deal the death blow to them. We can finish them off. So let's keep going. Let's just be patient and keep going. So they kept going, Alhamdulillah. They kept fighting. 24 hours of continuous fighting and it's still going on. And al saw that you know, this Persian army, they're on their last legs now. It's just a matter of time. They're going to be defeated. Now, Qaqa saw this as an opportunity. He said, this is an opportunity. We can deal a final death blow to these people by killing their commander. We need to go after Rustum himself. They're already very weakened. They're already very tired. This is our chance to get to Rustum, to get to their general, to get to their commander. We finish him off and this thing is over. So, Al-Qaqa, he calls his friend, also from Banu Tamim. A great warrior named Hilal ibn alqama He says to Hilal, Ya Hilal, let's you and me. Ka'qa is saying this to Hilal. Ka'qa tells Hilal, let's you and me. We will infiltrate. We will infiltrate through this Persian army until we get to Rustum. We'll infiltrate until we get to Rustum. And we will kill Rustum. So Hilal, he likes this idea. He says, yes, let's do it. Let's roll. Let's go. So... Qaqa' and Hilal, they infiltrate into the ranks of the Persian army, fighting right and left, until they get all the way to Rustum. And the Persians, they try to defend Rustum. Of course, Rustum, the general, he's going to have a lot of security, he's going to have his personal bodyguard around him, right? But these guys are all so tired, man. They're so tired, and they're so demoralized. Whereas, Al-Qaqa' and Hilal, they're still fighting strong even though they have also been fighting for the last 24 hours they're still very strong so they're able to get to rustum they're able to kill his security to kill his bodyguards and they get right to rustum now they're face to face with, with rustum himself the commander of the persian army so once once they reach him hilal gets the first hit hilal ibn alqama he hits rustum with his sword and rustum goes down then al he hits rustum a second time with his sword and the commander of the Persian army is killed Alhamdulillah. and Hilal shouts out Hilal ibn Alqamah, he shouts out قَتَلْتُ رُسْتُمْ Rustum قَتَلْتُ I swear by the Lord of the Kaaba. I swear by Allah, I have killed Rustum I have killed Rustum so now this news that Rustum, the commander of the Persian army, he's dead, he's been killed this news, it spreads like wildfire throughout the ranks of the Persian army. Now the Persians they were already very tired. They were already very demoralized. Now they have lost all hope. Now our commander is dead is finished. So once they have lost all of their hope they start fleeing. They start running away from the battlefield and the Muslims follow them and they continue to attack until the victory was complete Alhamdulillah. until the Muslim victory was complete. One of the Muslim soldiers Dirar ibn al-Khattab al-Fihri he is able to reach the grand flag of the persians they had many flags but they had one flag that was considered their greatest flag and it even had a name the name of this flag was darfashkabian darfashkabian was known as the great flag of the persian empire and they had that flag with them a huge flag they had that flag with them in the battle so This Muslim soldier, Ubirar ibn al-Khattab al-Fihri, he's able to reach that flag and he smashes that flag to the ground. And that symbolizes the complete defeat of the Persian Empire. And this was the first time in the history of the Persian Empire that that flag had fallen. Their main flag, their grand flag. So the flag is down. And Alhamdulillah, the Muslim victory was complete on the fourth day of this great battle, the Battle of Al-Qadisiyyah. The Muslims, Alhamdulillah, had defeated the Persian Empire. That was the most powerful empire of its time. The most powerful empire of its time. So with this victory, this great victory of the Muslims, the Persian Empire has fallen now. Alhamdulillah, the Muslims have taken this land. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, the commander of the Muslim army, he congratulates his army. They gather the spoils of war, great spoils of war, lots of riches that they gather. And Sa'ad ordered for the Khumus, one-fifth of that, to be sent back to Medina for the Baytul Mal. And he immediately sent a messenger to Medina a messenger to go to Medina quickly and give Umar ibn al-Khattab the good news that Alhamdulillah we have been victorious. We have defeated the Persian Empire. Now this particular messenger, he didn't know Umar ibn al-Khattab personally. He never met Umar ibn al-Khattab so he didn't know how he looks. So Saad sends this messenger to give Umar the good news. The messenger quickly goes towards Medina. Now Umar ibn al-Khattab every day, he had been coming to the outskirts of Medina. The outskirts of Medina in the direction of Persia, waiting for some news. So he wouldn't just stay in the city, he would actually go to the outskirts in the direction of, of the Persian Empire, waiting for some news to come. He would do this every day, right? Waiting for some news. Now finally, he was waiting outside the, the outskirts of Medina, and this messenger crosses his path, this messenger comes. Now the messenger doesn't know Umar ibn Khattab. He knows that he's supposed to deliver this message of victory to Umar ibn al But he's never seen Umar himself. So he doesn't know that this is Umar. So he just rides right past it. So Umar says, wait, 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 where are you coming from? And the man says, I'm coming from Al-Qadisiyah. And then Umar asks, oh, you're coming from Al-Qadisiyah. What is the news? And the man continues riding. He doesn't know who this is. But he gives him, he gives him the information. He says, yes, I'm coming with the news of al Fat, al Fat, victory, victory. But he continues... He continues riding. So Umar radiallahu anh starts following him on his horse. The man doesn't stop. And he continues riding towards Medina. And Umar is behind him, riding towards Medina as well. Eventually, both of them enter Medina. And when they enter Medina, the people see them, the people of Medina see them, and they see Umar, and they go to Umar, and they say, "Assalamu ya amir al-mu'mineen. As-salamu ya amir al So then the rider, the messenger, he looks back, and he says, who are you? And Umar says, I am Umar ibn al Khattab. And then he said, Why didn't you tell me? If you had just told me, I would have stopped and would, I would have given you all of the information. You didn't tell me who you were, so I kept riding until I came into the city. And then Umar radiallahu anhu, very humbly, he said, La baasi Don't worry about it, oh my brother. It's fine. It's fine. Look at the humility of this man, the humbleness of the Amirul Mu'mineen. He just had. One of the greatest military victories, alhamdulillah, but he still remains humble. He says, La ba'si akhi. don't worry about it, it's fine. And compare, compare this to how the Kisra, how the Persian rulers used to treat their subjects. They used to basically make them worship them. But Umar, radiallahu anhu, he was an example in humbleness, an example in good character, alhamdulillah. So he said, No problem so he got this news of this great victory alhamdulillah and this is how the persian empire was defeated and this is something that was prophesized by the prophet muhammad sallallahu the prophet sallallahu he prophesized that the muslims would take down the persian empire bi idhnillah by the permission of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this was the realization of that prophecy of the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam so this is the battle of Al-Qadisiyyah, one of the greatest battles that was fought in the history of Islam during the Khilafah of Umar ibn al-Khattab. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to take beneficial lessons from this battle and the story of this battle. And inshallah next week we will continue with our study on the biography of Umar ibn al-Khattab. جزاكم الله خيرا وبارك الله فيكم وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين